Okay, welcome to Open Sources Guelph here on CFRU 93.3 FM, CFRU.ca, Guelph Campus and Community Radio. I'm Adam A. Donaldson of Guelph Politico, and joining me is... Scotty Hertz. And Adam, I have to say, it takes longer every time to recover from the election show. I don't know why. Maybe this time it was lack of pizza or something, lack of fuel. It was just... No Trucadero. Oh, yeah, we're not supposed to say the name anymore. It doesn't matter. <laughs> pizza thing me. <laughs> well, it, 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 you know. It was true. You're right. It's, yeah, it's a historical accuracy. That's, that was where the pizza usually came from. I, that's, mm-hmm. It's not necessarily an endorsement or an advertisement. It's historical facts. So, like, whatever. So if anyone out there wants to find us a new pizza place for the uh, coming provincial election, uh, let us know. <laughs> wow, that's advertorial anyway. And it's working ahead, too. So yeah. <laughs> Open Sources is CFRU's political and current affairs discussion show. You can find us here every Thursday at 5 p.m. as we talk about the latest news items from Guelph, Ontario, Canada, and around the world. And we sometimes interview local newsmakers and politicians. This week, though, we are just talking about the news, including Alberta. They're saying that the healthcare system in the Wild Rose province is on the brink of collapse. But don't worry, because Jason Kenney just shook up his cabinet. We'll talk about the lessons we can learn. And we'll also catch up with Trump after a week of some startling and not so surprising revelations in a new Bob Woodward book. And uh, before that, though, uh, as, as we, you know, as you may remember, there was an election on Monday. <laughs> An election? What? Yeah, there was an election. And uh, uh, Tuesday morning, Justin Trudeau rolls up at a subway stop. And is the Montreal subway really a subway? Because it's not really, you know, it's more of a tram. No, it it qualifies. It's just it runs on rubber tires. But Uh, it's pretty cool. It's a a good ride. It is a good ride. I I like it. Um, For another show, I guess. <laughs> but, you know, he rolled up there and uh, people were congratulating him and uh, for for winning. I'm not sure how much there's to be congratulated for. I think, you know, he gambled with his life <laughs> and he kept it. And I think that's if, you know, you want to congratulate Justin Trudeau for that. But that's that's fine. But uh, stakes haven't changed. The problems haven't changed. Parliament hasn't changed. And I think people are understandably asking, what was it all for? Oh, yeah. I, I saw a quote. I, I don't remember who, but I did jot it down. And it was, that's a lot of money for a round of musical chairs. <laughs> so whoever said that is a genius because that's <clears throat> pretty much what happened. Yeah, no real change in the in the lineup. The last I checked, and this might have changed slightly because there's still, uh, believe it or not, votes being counted in places due to mail-in uh, ballots. There was a million mail-in ballots this time around, right? And mm-hmm. A whole ton from outside the country as well. Anyway, the change was NDP up one, Conservatives lost two, Liberals gained one, Bloc gained two, and the Greens, as we know, lost one, but yet gained one locally, which was uh, unexpected, I believe. Um, I guess we could get right into that since it is a local story. Um, Adam, do you think that was because of what had happened with uh, Rajshani, the liberal candidate, or is there really green momentum in Kitchener center? I mean, if he had come from like third or fourth place to win in this election, I would say it was Saini, but I think, I think there was, I think there was genuine green momentum. I think Mike Maurice was a solid green candidate. 
he has an interesting personal story too because apparently he was diagnosed with this, diagnosed with cancer oh. um at the end of the last campaign and then you know when it was you know started only going two for years treatment. ago yeah yeah wow. and i mean he's cancer f- or he, he's in remission or he's cancer free now i can't remember which one but you know he that's an interesting personal story he came out of it and saying like oh no i've got to run again i mean this is the thing is i think where greens are successful um it takes successive elections i mean that's what happened to mike schreiner here he ran once mm-hmm. uh place third i think uh and then you know ran again it became an open seat and i, I guess this also mirrors what happened in Kitchener Center is it was it, essentially an open seat, even though Raj Saini was still on the ballot. But when it, Raj Saini said, "Well, I, you, you know, I'm resigning from the campaign, even though they can't take my name off the ballot," and, it, yeah, and he was one of the early ones. Still manages to get eight, almost eight thousand votes. That is phenomenal. It's is that like people? I'm just going to vote liberal. I don't care. Like, I imagine I thought that was a mind blowing amount of well, not wasted votes, but essentially, if the person's not there, then. But then, of course, there's the case of Kevin Wong, right? Who is blowout? Yeah, yeah. I don't know what they're going to do in that instance. If people don't know, he was he stepped aside in. Oh, what's the writing? And I'm going to blow it. Fort York. Fort York Spadina. Fort York Spadina stepped aside due to historic uh, sexual assault allegations. Still won the writing, and they're not sure whether he's going to sit. If he does sit, he'll sit as an independent. But he was on the ballot as a liberal. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, that was that was another not bizarre story, but kind of like trouble in the liberal camp equals these results, right? So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and the turnout, the turnout, we need to talk about that too. I guess say the lowest turnout ever is that right? Fifty eight percent. It might be. I don't know if it's the worst turnout ever. It's certainly like the worst turnout in, in modern times. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, even like like low turnout elections like 11 20 not 2011 2000 like even those were closer in the 60 range but yeah the it's it's not great and of course they can blame the pandemic for that as with everything right pandemic this pandemic that also i mean lack of enthusiasm too i mean that that was that was coming out of a lot of places just like uh i mean NDP is not going to win. I like Jagmeet Singh, but he's not going to win. Uh, Greens are in a mess. Like Aaron O'Toole, he sounds good, but I mean, I'm also hearing a lot of stuff about, you know, assault weapons and abortion and this and that. And then, yeah. you know, Justin Trudeau, it's like one string of broken promises after another. Plus, you know, uh, he hasn't been great, you know, with uh, getting that corruption out of the process either. I mean, so it could be. It, it could be pandemic stuff. It could be people just sitting it out because they don't care because they didn't like their options. It, it, there, there are a variety. It's a, it's a potpourri of reasons why this might've been a low turnout election. But there's also the people that were stuck in lines and said, forget it. I'm not going to wait in this and left. Sure. Yeah. So that's lots part of, of anecdotal stories, in particular, people with uh, accessibility issues. If you were there with a kid or uh, older people, it's like, oh, no, you're going to have to wait for an hour or sometimes two. And they just said, no, I'm I'm going to go home. And I think maybe some of the word on that spread as well. And there was people that just said, no, I'm, I can't I can't do this. So mm-hmm. they didn't, even though it's you know, there are times where the weather in certain places will affect polls. But in this instance, it was time, I think, more than anything. It was like, oh, I'm not going to I'm not going to do that because 
well here in guelph it was a beautiful sunny day like mm-hmm. very very temperate so i mean it was if you were to pick a day to wait outside that would have been a good day but it just other people yeah, you're right like if you're if you have accessibility issues you can't stand in line if you are um you know going with kids if you usually take your kids to go and vote because oh, you, yeah. you, you can run in run out that was a little harder depending on your polling place um if you're a student like squeezing in running across the road to the delta between classes in order to vote um you know it, maybe that's that's another situation where you couldn't wait in line for two hours so mm-hmm. so there's a few there's a few factors going mm-hmm. and uh well we already touched on some of the uh Let's call it the alternative ballot, like the Greens. I, I didn't really want to, but I guess we we have to talk about the People's Party. <laughs> <laughs> People's uh, seat share tripled from the last election, 2019. And, and the local they, numbers bear that out, too, because uh, yeah. Sil Carl and Wellington Halton Hills tripled his share. Uh, Josh Lear tripled the share over Mark for all of us here in Guelph. So it, that that was seemed to be the national and local trend. So pandemic bump 814,000 plus Canada wide and and generally I don't think people necessarily look at that number we always look at that number at least I do because that gives you the uh, you know the scope of things mm-hmm. uh, and if uh, the, the PCs of course will or just the C's now <laughs> the, <laughs> the conservatives will always make the points like well we got more of that and we talked about a bit about this on election night the popular vote they had, let's change it up and say they had the most votes. Same mm-hmm. as last time, right? Same mm-hmm. as last time. So it's it's just a redrawing of the whole thing. The people's result being the exception. And of course, the green result too, because the greens went, were way down. I can't remember that exact number, but it was something like 2%. That's, that's they're I back think- to where they were when they first started slugging it in elections. I mean, that's that's terrible. And that vote didn't seem to go anywhere. Like, I, 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 you know, just looking, I'm not a statistician or anything like that, but it just seemed like, uh, you know, somebody like Rand, Rand Drew in Wellington, Halton Hills, uh, he was like at 3% support versus like 12% for Ralph Martin, but it's not like any of the other candidates went up by, I mean, again, still Carl went up, but, it, you know, from 3% to like 12%, but I don't, my suspicion is that green vote did not go to Sil Carl. Um, it probably absorbed a little from Michael Chong, who won re-election handily, but not as handily as he has in the past. I don't mm-hmm. think he, he he went over 50%, if I remember correctly. But yeah, the, the green vote, I think, is interesting and deserves some deeper analysis. Like, did they just stay at home? Like, because they... Um, because of all the eternal internal strife, like maybe like just seeing like, Oh, the green party plays politics. Like everyone else, like was kind of a turnoff the flip side of it. Too, and I think it was on CBC. I saw somebody talking about this. It was like, it could be too that. And I don't want to say the green party isn't necessary anymore. And I don't think this person was alluding to that either, but just that every other party, uh, or at least the other of the other major parties, um, the parties that have seats um, have made climate change a or like like kind of direct action against climate it's on change. The radar. Part of, right. It's it's more of a front burner issue, perhaps negating the necessity for a Green Party a bit. But I mean, all of these things are at play. I don't think it's any one thing. I think it's the the bad news about party strife, uh, the, the 
the way the election was run, the, the fact that climate change was um, an issue being tackled by all the parties, including the conservatives who weren't running against undoing the carbon tax, but were running on an actual climate plan. So, it, I mean, there's there's a lot of that going around. Yeah, and it, with that now on the radar, and it's kind of like the the marijuana party. Well, it's legal now, yeah. so like, where, where yeah. are they? I think we talked about that on election night too. It's like, well, you know, your thing, your thing happened, so <laughs> yeah, you can you can take a break now, uh, maybe forever. Um, I do want to yeah. talk about the People's Party in this one aspect. Yeah, about the, like the spoiler effect, because yes. there were like about a dozen seats where. The conservative candidate lost by a portion of the votes equal to or greater that or, or equal to or that I should say the People's Party candidate got a number of votes that are equal to or greater than the number of votes that a conservative candidate lost by lost to a liberal candidate or an, or an NDP candidate, whatever case, mm-hmm. including down the road in St. Catharines, where Chris Biddle, the liberal candidate, beat the conservative by 20 by 2717 votes the ppc candidate got 3759 now i don't think all those ppc votes are like died in the wool conservative voters but only a only you know 2000 of them had to be in order to beat the liberal in niagara yeah. center the liberal vance uh badaway uh, beat the conservative by 1,738 votes, and the PPC candidate got 4,595. Again, not all of that 4,600 uh, PPC vote would have gone for the conservative, but you got to figure at least half of them would have, which would have put the conservative candidate over the top. So whatever, I mean, whatever you think of the PPC, and you can think of a whole number of things, including the fact that uh, star PPC candidate Chelsea Hillier spent... Uh, her election night on like a far right wing <laughs> streaming program. Oh, yikes. With, with, like, with like Nick Fuentes. Uh, like Nick Fuentes, she wasn't on the same time as Nick Fuentes, but she was on the same program as Nick Fuentes. Uh, the, the host of the program was Tyler Russell, who um, was, he alleges he was fired from Urban Outfitters uh, because of some of his hot takes online. Uh, hmm. So that's how she spent her election night hanging out with cool white nationalist folks. Um, so again, whatever you feel about the PPC, they are a definite political force. If if not in in being able to actualize their own seats, at le- at the very least, that being spoilers in certain places where yep. conservatives need to count every single vote to win. Well, the the, the spoilers for now, and I said this elsewhere. I think. When the pandemic is behind us, the numbers might be different. Yeah, the, it, it's it's an anomaly because this is an organization that doesn't really have any organization. It's kind of like politics via social media and the internet. Do you want to be the candidate? Yeah, okay. Well, okay, sign here. You can, you can be the candidate. There's no. I mean, maybe they have vetting to a degree, but it's pretty Wild West stuff. I think when it comes to the PPC, right? It's just kind of like, okay, you're the candidate. You go. We have no money. We'll get some signs together. We're hardly going to campaign, right? Or they're going to say that they're locked out, as we know uh, in the case here, where it was like, oh, I can't really get any press. I mean, it is unusual for somebody claiming that they don't get any press to get 3,000 votes in a riding such as Guelph. Mm-hmm. It is unusual. It is an anomaly. And I think it's the times. If they don't create some kind of uh, structure, 
a usable structure, then uh, th- th- they'll probably disappear because you need a machine to work in uh, our, this political system or well, to have some longevity in this political system anyway. And sometimes the machine's a bit broken like it is with the greens, but you know, in the other, in the, in the instance of the other three and your math isn't false either, because a lot of times in writings will say, well, if you just took those votes from say the NDP and put them here and did the shuffle in those instances, it's like, well, maybe, maybe not because people tend to go within that range. People's is a, conservative protest movement by birth right mm-hmm. bernier's ego project <laughs> equals a lot of those people that are conservative and the disgruntled kind of compare them to reform and that might not be a fair comparison but it's similar right but reform had structure reform had uh you know an organization behind it whereas people's is just it's just whomever but well reform was or Reform was organized around kind of like a like very broad central concept, which is like the West is getting ripped off by Eastern mm-hmm. elites. And a lot of people are bringing whatever their bugaboo is into the People's Party, whether it's like kind of disenfranchised young people who, who just like see the main political parties and don't see anyone who's fighting for them, whether it is um, people who are like vaccine hesitant or just like hesitant of like any authority period, no matter where it's from or people who like the, the guy who is a Sean Walker, who is the director of the EDA in St. Catharines or the people's party, just like an out and out neo-Nazi. And that's hard to, I mean, that's, that's hard to build organization. Just people with like very disparate views on who who basically fall outside the mainstream but it, outside the mainstream there's a big wide spectrum of people there are people who think and you know there are people of color who run for the people's party and then you have people who are like white supremacists it, you know and that's very, it's very hard to organize a national party when yeah um you know you have you know someone with the last name muhammad running in one writing and then you have another writing being run by a neo-nazi the, yeah. the that center cannot hold not the, like center politically, but I'm just mean like, it's hard to balance and yeah, build when it, it's just like everybody you, you're covering all spectrums at once. You're just part of this party because you don't feel like you fit in, in any other party. Yeah. Well, let's put them aside. Like I said, <laughs> <laughs> we have to talk about them. We were obligated to, I suppose, but mm-hmm. that's probably enough. I want to talk about the appearance of Doug Ford. Oh, the he doors came back. of the Queen's Park fallout shelter opened up and he appeared. Yeah, and he got the, owned uh, right away by Cynthia Mulligan. She's like, I haven't been here months because I've had cancer. Where have you been? <laughs> Whoa. Oh, wow. I mean, I'm paraphrasing. True story, but yes, but that's, that's yeah. It's essentially oh. what she said. <laughs> yeah. And now he's like, well, the pandemic's an emergency. It's so, so much so an emergency that he disappeared and prorogued Parliament or Queen's Park, I mean. Right. Uh, but that was, I think there was a three week gap between announcements. Uh, Jason Kenny, not so lucky. Mm-hmm. I guess we'll get to him in the, in part two, but it's like <laughs> he had to do something. And, and there is some uh, speculation that his uh, chiming in when he did affected the vote in Mm -hmm. alberta for the federal cousins and as we know during the campaign the liberals made quite a bit of hay with that uh Mm -hmm. with aaron o'toole saying oh the ucp have done the best job in canada and even in alberta like oh no not really you know not really (laughs) well that was like a huge ball drop and like it's yeah 
I understand why they did it because, and we'll get to, again, we'll get to Kenny in a minute, but Kenny like comes out earlier this summer. It's like, Alberta is open. And it was like celebratory. And like, even like P- Michelle Rumpel Gardner, uh, esteemed representative for Oklahoma, uh, <laughs> you know, retweeted that like, yeah, Alberta's open all you other state. And so like from a particular point of view, it did seem like things were on the up in Alberta, but that's one of those things like you cross your fingers and hope for the best. And and then it comes back to bite you later. The the problem is that uh, Aaron O'Toole had no answer for it. And so all the press could do was was keep asking the questions like, okay, you said at the beginning of this, that, uh, that Alberta was doing a better job than the federal government managing COVID. That's clearly not the case. Um, So like, what do you have to say for yourself? And he just wouldn't answer the question, which is why the answer, the question kept yeah, getting asked. Justin Trudeau is doing a terrible job. Yeah. So it's derailed completely, at least for a couple of days, and then the which part- is an eternity in a campaign as short as this, but right. also if it's in the last few minutes of play there, then it's like, Oh boy. And then the part I, when I knew he was off script was uh, the Monday before the election day, when he's at an event and he says, you know what? Well, Justin Trudeau was out partying down. I was in the armed forces, like actually doing stuff. And I was like, "Ooh, Aaron, you almost made it to the finish line without, you know, playing the drama teacher card. And it's, 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 I mean, that kind of stuff just hits such a sour note because it's not like Trudeau's a draft dodger. We don't have a draft here. Uh, He made it. he, He made a choice to not enter the armed forces. You made a choice to enter the armed forces. That's fine. And we're like, this is one of those differences between Canadian and American politics. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, you know, service in uniform is, is hailed as, and I'm not saying this to besmirch anyone who served in uniform, but it just like, it seems like it, when, yeah, when, you, when, when that's brought into the political realm, it is understood that if you were to spend time in a uniform, you are a better person than someone who might have been, say, yeah. a community organizer. And that stuff is, that stuff just doesn't appeal to the kind of mainstream Canadians that Aaron O'Toole was hoping no. to win. And it is playing in a bit of an American car, but they did it with Trudeau Sr., right? Who was sure. considered a draft dodger of a sort in World War II, but let's not get into that. That's history. We need we need the <laughs> Christopher Curry for that one. But anyway, so so the, I, the question is what now? Nick Nanos nailed it when he compared the whole thing to Bill Murray and Groundhog Day just continuously waking up. We put all that energy into everything. No one seemed to want the thing, but yet Trudeau is saying that he has a clear mandate. Yeah, I heard that off in the distance on CBC. Is like we now have a clear mandate. I was like, you think it's no, as clear as mud? You, you think you have a clear mandate with this? this? Is like, and there was a great uh, political cartoon where he goes through the indoor and then comes back out, and it says on the floor, "Minority government." Seven elections since two thousand three, and only two have been a majority, like a clear majority. We've had yeah. five minorities, including this one. So are we, is, is the 21st century the era of the minority government? And it stands to reason from that. It's like when Trudeau had said that, oh, this will be the last election that's first past the post and then completely changed that. Maybe it's time to change that up. But I did a little bit of research. <laughs> if they did do that, uh, I, can't, I, don't know, I can't remember who crunched the numbers. The if, so if we had a proportional representation system, the liberals and conservatives would have the exact same amount of seats, right? Mm. But then people's would have a ton of seats, the Greens would have a ton of seats, the usual, right? You redraw the lines. This is all dream world stuff. 
but you know in terms of in terms of just the raw numbers if we did have that kind of system it would still be a tie and a, and a minority government is effectively a tie because people can't decide among the major players who they want right so well i mean it's essentially a regional issue right block like quebec voters are voting for the Bloc Quebecois. They have like 30 seats. And, it, and I, I brought this up on the third night. party, right? Yeah, I brought this up. It's on not, people think it's NDP. It's not. It's the Bloc. NDP's right. in fourth place, right? Yeah. And I brought this up on election night and Christopher uh, had a very complex answer. I won't relitigate, but I mean, <laughs> at, at the end of the day, it's in the archives, <laughs> it's in the archives. But at the end of the day, again, like you can get enough people to make the Bloc uh, an opposition party, but then what? They're not pushing for segregation anymore. So not segregation, uh, separation, two yeah. very different things. Oh, but, yeah. <laughs> but uh, you know, they're not even pushing like the reason for their existence. So like, what what do you get in the end? But by by voting block, and there's the same similar problem out west from Manitoba to the Rocky Mountains, with very few exceptions. It's blue, 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 blue. And mm. what does that get you? Like, are you really going to push the liberals? to act on issues of like Western concern when they have one seat in Calgary. Uh, I mean, that's a lot to put on that one guy whose name I can't remember. I wrote it down somewhere, but I can't find it now, but (laughs) (laughs) it's a lonely MP from the prairies. Like the one guy. And then there's a, there's an NDP, uh, someone from the NDP who won in Edmonton, Edmonton. Yeah. Yeah. It's also an Aaron O'Toole's part too. It's like, you know, how are you going to get those like, He's got the West. The West is secure. And in trying to pivot to more a more centrist mode, and this is why they shouldn't get rid of him, because he that that takes time to build. And I think that's probably the ultimate lesson of this is like don't like switch out your leaders after one try because then they have to basically yeah. start again from scratch. But he has to make a point in Ontario. He needs to win those voters. He needs to rebuild that Harper coalition, which is like southwestern ontario and although there's there, most of those seats are conservative like kitchener and waterloo yeah. and cambridge is not milton is not places where conservatives have won before places in the 905 even a couple of ridings in toronto like the conservatives made inroads into toronto in 2011 so mm-hmm. you're not going to win that with the standard stuff of conservatives um the, the, the kind of red meat stuff from out West. So, I mean, there's a lot of calculations that have to be done too. Um, I don't know what Trudeau can do. I'm still, I'm holding true to my assertion that this is, this was his last election, but I guess we'll have to wait and see. I know you, yeah. You, you might not be wrong there. Oh, good. That's, <laughs> no, it's, it, there's always the examination of the leaders at the end of it. Like who is, sure. who needs to fall on their sword. Yeah. Trudeau's a maybe, uh, Singh is probably safe. O'Toole again, shaky. I think uh, he shouldn't be though. I mean, that, I think that's the thing. I, I think he, he could... shouldn't be, but I mean, that's it. It is a knives out thing the next day always, right? It's, oh, you didn't sure you yeah. didn't make any gains. It's like, well, you didn't really lose any either. Same with. I mean, that's that's the argument to be made. It's like they didn't really mm-hmm. uh, lose too massively, but uh, can't say the same for Anime Paul. And then of course Bernie doesn't have to worry because. It's that's a free for all, right? Like he didn't win, so what? There's no like he he's he hasn't lost anything. If anything from those numbers, it's a gain, even though he didn't win his seat. All right, we're gonna take a quick break and then come back with uh, everybody's favorite province. Uh, and I got that straight from Jason Kenny. 
You're listening to Open Sources Guelph here on CFRU 93.3 FM, CFRU.ca, Guelph Campus and Community Radio. I'd write you a poem. You'd sing right from your heart. Come have a listen to our recording. Why you never made the cut? If we had full tracks, then we could play them back. If we could overdub. Had four more takes at love Revisit the mix So much I want on a fix and that was our Royal Cat Records pick of the week. Royal Cat Records, the little big record shop in the downtown, 21 McDonnell, number 22 on the CFRU charts. That was Jordy Gordon, former uh, programmer here at CFRU, actually. The album is called The Tower. And the track was called Four Track. Now, should mention that uh, James Gordon is at number one on this week's chart. So it's a battle. Will the father-son battle for number one <laughs> fight itself out over the next month? We shall see. So stay tuned. But yeah, James is number one with When I Stayed Home. We should have a countdown. Like, remember like Casey Kasem and the... <laughs> and top, like, we should do that for... For CFRU, it's like this week at number one, James Gordon with yeah. It's a fight for number one between father <laughs> and son. James Gordon's at the top, but Jordy Gordon's coming up fast. Will he will he succeed his father on the top spot? Come back next week for the CFRU top forty. I think there's some potential there, Adam, <laughs> and I think it needs to happen. I'm going to put a proposal in, and uh, then you'll have to do it. Be oh, like God. your your eighth your eighth <laughs> show on the station. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, okay. Uh, He's got enough to do. I just won't get any I'll sleep. I'll just won't get any sleep anymore. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'll do it. So speaking of not getting sleep, doctors in Alberta aren't oh. getting too much sleep. Yeah. Uh, they. Uh, quite the mess out there uh i saw an interview with one alberta doctor this morning he says he thinks they're one week away from having to institute triage protocols which basically means alberta hospitals will have to start ranking priority incoming um incoming patients according to who is in the most danger and uh that's not going to be a good situation for anyone fortunately jason kenny is on it he came right back from wherever he has been hiding in the last several months and fired his health minister so tyler shandro is out jason cupping is in uh although i should say tyler shandro and jason cupping just basically switched portfolios uh shandro is now the minister of labor and immigration so uh that's huh. that should fix the problems right right there oh yeah it's it's all good now and he, i heard <laughs> i had overheard him saying uh well shandro has submitted his resignation i'm like no that he, he didn't act like maybe they have to do some kind of official paperwork but this is like okay tyler get your stuff uh, <laughs> no, no, there was no getting his stuff. Like his stuff was no. waiting outside his office door, and uh, or maybe they just keep the lock. same office and change the labels. Who knows? Oh, maybe. But yeah, and it's uh, you know not to make light of it too much, but I I saw a letter that's made the rounds is that they're making an official ask to the feds. Please, Justin, in your new minority, help us send. And they're they're asking for medivac transfer. Uh, I take it that's probably helicopters or some sort of capability mm-hmm. or even vehicles. I'm not sure. And nurses to work in the ICU. Mm-hmm. Now, obviously 
Kenny isn't uh, trumpeting that from the towers because that it's actually a plea because it's quite clear that the whole open for business and or was it best summer ever, whatever the heck you want to call it. Yeah. Uh, the um, stampede effect. It, it, it's there in worst case scenario territory, right? Oh, yeah. So it's, well, the little cat, the cabinet shuffle help probably not. And the knives are out for Kenny. It was at Joel Milan. What is he? The VP of policy in the uh, United Conservative Party mm-hmm. said, yeah, Kenny should probably go. So this is a higher up behind the scenes that no one's heard of until this past week, at least not in this province, is coming out and saying Kenny has to go. It sounds like everybody is saying Kenny has to go. The province is saying he has to go. Like the people of the province, I mean, some within his own party. Uh, but he, it sounds like he's going to try and stick it out as long as possible, and it's probably not going to help. And, of course, he had to cave on the, the passports. They're not, what is it? It's not the passports. It's the Restrictions Exemption Program, a.k.a. <laughs> AKA vaccine passports, uh, Yeah, which will be the usual, as same in Ontario, Doug Ford held on. And it's like, well, this will be a temporary thing. It is the kind of thing that – and they're doing it from – they're doing it from the angle of, well, we have to support business. If it, like, if it wasn't for the business angle, it probably, they probably wouldn't bother. Right. They probably like, well, if they, if they can't make some sort of corporate spin out of it, then it's, it's no good. Right. So it's like, well, we need to do this so we can start getting back to normal, but that's just not the case in Alberta. They need you know, better vaccine uptake. They need people to stop uh, taking ivermectin and bleach or whatever is going on. But yeah, it's uh it's not looking good and sympathy to them. We don't want to beat on Alberta too much, obviously, but I mean, it's uh, cause they are part of our big family, but I mean, it's, it's, it's really sad to watch. Actually, It's a, it's a critical situation because there are yeah. 20,000 uh, on Monday, there was 20,000 active cases in Alberta. They have a population of about 4.4 million people. Today in Ontario, there are 6,300 active cases, and we have a population of about 14 million people. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, think you have to think about that spread. Like, they're leading the country in cases, in active cases right now, uh, even though they have like almost one quarter of the population of Ontario. We're, we're still doing like one qu- we have about one quarter of the the or one third of the active cases as them with four times the population it's just incredible i mean it, it really isn't anything to laugh about no. but I, but I, I mean the reaction is kind of laughable like just how slow off the uptake kenny is and how he yeah. comes out and after being like invisible or missing in action for months and he comes out like okay i guess we're gonna have to like have some restrictions and you know we're gonna have to have like a vaccine verification or you know something like that and and then his um his minister of municipal affairs sends out this letter and says we have demanded that bill blair send us help immediately and it's like mm-hmm. well why didn't you send this weeks ago and his response was well, there was an election on. I didn't know who to send it to. And everyone's like, Bill Blair's still the minister of, of safety until there's a new minister of safety. Yeah. Uh, you know, his office is still open as the minister uh, in, in charge of that portfolio, uh, regardless of whether or not he's on the campaign trail. And by the way, phones are plentiful. Um, so it, yeah. it just 
it it, it just it, it the, the reaction is laughable isn't even though you can't really laugh laugh at it um yeah, but things I mean, like I, disaster management in that roll on election or not something something of this gravity is is yeah there are mechanisms to deal with it it would be the same if like a country invaded canada like what are they going to do we can't really do anything right now because of the election that's just not the case right so. it, it, that's exactly right and one thing i'll give doug ford credit for because we're trying to we're going to tr- string in ontario in a bit here too is that at his, pre- at his press conference today he was asked like point blank uh are you going to insist that all progressive conservative candidates in next year's election to be vaccinated. He said, yeah, absolutely. We're asking everyone to get vaccinated. Uh, the least you should expect is all of, of anyone who's running for the PC party to, be, you know, form the next government should be vaccinated. I was like, wow, that's, that looked really, really easy <laughs> for Doug Ford. And I mean, to his credit, he didn't hesitate. Uh, and it, it just, you know, although, there are some certain similarities. I mean, Doug Ford again came out today. He said, like, you know, this was vaccine certificates. Didn't want to do it. Didn't want to do it. Waited till the last minute to do it because I really didn't want to do it. But I mean, all, all conservative politicians aren't cut from the same cloth. He, he came right. He was asked a question. He said, yes, all candidates who run for the PC party are expected to get vaccinated. I mean, well, that's the th- yeah, there's still technically progressive conservatives. So there's an ounce of like, well, we might we might do something that's for the public good rather than kenny style whatever the heck that is but they're they're all still uh uh cousins let's say but yeah and with the uh well 22nd so wednesday was rollout day for the for the passports uh Mm -hmm. or no what do we call them in terror we call them as certificates i don't even know yeah they're they're avoiding the word passport which has some sort of terrible connotation but it's it's not actually that bad (laughs) most people think it's fine uh except for conservatives but yeah so the one thing that's come up is that uh, there's, there's this assumption that everybody has a device or that can can work a device. And I, right. I overheard a call-in show saying, uh, I'm actually blind and I don't have a smartphone. What am I supposed to do, right? And it's there are exceptions, obviously, to all these things, and there should be an accommodation for that. But mm-hmm. I, uh, you know, I guess we have a month of paper and ID and then a QR code. I don't know if the paper and ID thing can carry on for those that are unable to do it. But that's, you know, it's... Most people have a smartphone, but it you know it's for, for people. You think they could come up with just a QR code that you could stick on your license? But I guess there's a movement to get rid of licenses now and have an e-wallet. But that, again, I'm sorry, I'm that's also I mean, something else. Not right? off topic, but it's like it's there's a massive assumption that everybody's got the tech, and there's a lot of people that don't have the tech. But I mean, there's also reasons. there's also a massive blowback out there about anything related to like digital government ID. Yeah. So I mean, that's it's coming, but it's still several years away. I think you know the the QR code for vaccine certificate is going to be like a dip a dip a toe in that water. I think it's I think that's the way it's doing. It's because most people do have a device now. Granted, not everybody has a device that can do QR codes. Not everybody. Um, it has a device period. And I think exceptions have to be made for that. In terms of like getting this to the most number of people, it, it, it sort of makes sense. Uh, what I did is I, I do have my paper copies, but I do mm. also have the digital copies on my phone. Um, Just like a PDF. Yeah. And you can also add them to your, there's a way you can add them to your Apple wallet. So if you use oh, your right. Apple wallet to, you know, pay for stuff at the checkout using um, your your app. You, you can you can also download the 
the PDF uh, versions of your your vaccine receipts to your yeah. Apple wallet as well. And that's how and I guess do. the uh, Bonafide app will be out in about a month is the projection, right? Like a month mm-hmm. from now, I think so. Yep. And that that shouldn't be well, you would think it shouldn't be too difficult. But I, I saw some <laughs> postings today about people just trying to download their PDFs. And it was like, you are number a million in line or whatever. So, well, yes, that uh, they're doing that to sort of like make sure not everybody's hitting the website at once so that it crashes. Mm. And I encountered that, but I, I managed oh. to get in in about a minute and in, in like a minute or less, I was able to get in, grab my digital copies. And that's not too bad. And so it's, it's, it's been, not bad. There was a bit of uh, saw one story today about the U.S. talking about easing travel restrictions, but of course, the land of the free will require proof of vaccination, <laughs> a passport, if you will. Uh, it sounds like the AstraZeneca gang, like myself, will still be in limbo. But I'm, I don't really have any plans to go to the U.S. But obviously, lots of people do for various reasons. So uh, it sounds like, if not for within your province, and I was kind of wondering how that works. Cross the border is one thing, but going into Quebec, because when I was looking at the apps, I happened to be on my iPhone or iDevice. Um, there was the Quebec one came up right away, and I was like, Oh, that's good. Mm-hmm. Like, it's been in place for a long time, and I guess be very popular. But, um, I just sort of it as a bit of an aside, too. The I don't know if you saw that the Legault wants to pass a bill to prevent the anti vaxxers from protesting in front of the schools and hospitals which sounds like very necessary legislation. I know that's a bit of an aside from passports and that, but uh, mm. I can't believe it actually took that long to come up with something like that. But that will be uh, good to see for some, particularly the healthcare workers who are slugging it every day and all day. I, agree, also, with the, uh, I agree with the sentiment. I'm, I'm kind of unsure about legislating it just because, I mean, kind of when you start legislating things for the for one group it could be very easy to start using it against people well yeah i think quebec solidaire made the point saying that look that's it's fine for this group but you know if there are other people protesting other things at schools they should be allowed to do so so but it's I, you know, I, it's one thing to say that but it, you yeah. can't really once the, once you the, can't cut the bread that thin when you're actually writing legislation because <laughs> the laws Once meant the to be as- de Quebec start wanting to crack heads, it probably yeah will incorporate everybody. I don't know, but yeah, I, I appreciate yeah, that was a shot at the police. I guess I, <laughs> they're kind it, of notorious, it, but yeah. it really should be like a matter for like law enforcement because it should be a matter of like public safety. If like a hundred or two hundred people standing in front of the entranceway of a hospital, that's, I guess that's a danger. Going going back to the passports, just for a second, the it sounds like. I've heard that I think it was Patrick Brown was on this morning talking about, well, they're mm-hmm. saying that the bylaw will enforce things when they don't happen, but the municipalities haven't been given any resources or heads up. No. It sounds like there's a bit of a download going on there. It's like, well, we'll just let the bylaw deal with it. And the bylaw are like, what, what are you talking about? We don't know anything about this. So yeah. you know, I can't see the bylaw getting shipped downtown to sort out somebody who's screaming their head off waiting in line to get into i don't know pick your place in downtown guelph uh i don't think they're prepared for that right so no i don't i mean that's that's gonna be something that's gonna have to come out in the wash unfortunately and yeah um coming soon coming soon uh speaking of coming soon or actually it's already come out but uh there's a new book called peril it is from an author named bob woodward uh, and it's about the last days of Donald Trump and the first days of Joe Biden uh, in the White House and some startling stuff in this book, as is usually the case in, in the Bob Woodward books. The best stuff usually gets reported early. Uh, it 
turns out that things, uh, you know, people you thought were heroes like Mike Pence were like maybe not as heroic as you might have thought they were. Uh, Mike Pence, uh, first man in history to call Dan Quayle for help uh, to try and find, <laughs> try and find a way out of uh, pe- pleasing Trump while somehow still holding up the Constitution. Uh, and all this is happening at the same time as the U.S. is pivoting on a complete and total financial collapse again they have to raise the debt ceiling which is this thing they have to do uh they're trying to pass this massive uh build back better plan that some members of the democratic party don't want to pass uh the government could shut down on october 1st because they're running out of money so uh yeah good times in the u.s oh there's also a pandemic too in case you haven't heard so it's pandemic uh, what yeah 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 (laughs) And uh, yeah, so the, <laughs> the no, situation continues. Lots of material for the Bob Woodwards of the world. Who was our last uh, field trip? I can't remember when that was. Uh, Adam and I went and, and saw Bob Woodward in Mississauga. On that was a, when on an, Fear came out. An so open was, source of junket, the first in the trilogy. Yeah, so a couple. That was 2019, I think. Yikes. Seems or, so long ago. I know. Should also mention that Robert Costa is a co-writer on the book. He's with the uh, Washington Post. I think uh, Woodward was like a mentor to him, as he has been to many people. <laughs> so the two Bobs, Bob and Robert, wrote this book. Yeah, some of the some of the neither one of us have read it yet. Obviously, or maybe you have, Adam. I don't know, but it's it's, it's in it's, the it's, mail. It's literally it's in the mail. Yeah, it's 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 on it's on the list. But some of the stuff in there. Yeah, and speaking of Pence too, and I, I did read that about. Uh, going to Dan Quill and it sounds like Dan Quill made the right decision, but at some point and people think back to around the time of uh, the 6th of January with that big protest, it was just, I think a little bit before that where uh, they're calling it the Eastman memo where a lawyer named Eastman uh, approached Pence with Trump looming in the background, screaming at him saying, here's, here's, here are the six steps that you need to do to overturn the election Pence. It's, it's all resting on you. And when he said no, not just, I guess, because of the advisement of Dan Quayle, but um, among other things, probably his, of his own volition as well. That's when the Pence hate on began. And then two days later, they're like, hang Pence and all that stuff that happened in January 6. Mm-hmm. So we're getting a little bit of the uh, behind the scenes on what had happened or lots of behind the scenes actually what had happened within that slice of time. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it just, it's just, there's all these anecdotes about how, um, as they're calling it, the big lie has, has consumed the Republican party that there's with all of the, uh, Trump chaos among other things that they're, they've come to believe all that to use an Americanism, all that wacky stuff, right? It's they just like, <laughs> they're just riding that wave. It's like true, not true truthiness, uh, whatever, uh, persists, right? Mm-hmm. And they're also saying that Trump, they, they reckon that Trump will run again in 2024, which is like, huh? what? Yeah, nobody's in a position to, to kind of stop him either. It, it, I mean, it's, it's this perfect storm of inaction. Like, and it, 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 there's a collision between the people who want to ride those coattails, they want to be like mini Trumps. Um, and people like, you know, like Mike Pence, who knows better, but mm-hmm. still thinks he can be president one day. Like, does he really think like, the, the, uh, you know, his base <laughs> chanting, hang, hang Mike Pence. And he's like, no, no, now elect me for president. It's just really bizarre. <laughs> it, yeah. you know, and it's like, you know, it's the ones like, 
like Marco Rubio and Ted Cruz and Josh Hawley who know better. And it's the ones like Mitt Romney and Susan Collins and Bill Cassidy who will, you know, vote to impeach Trump or vote to remove Trump from office. But then only when they're like back is absolutely against the wall. Well, they realize that they still have a spine, um, you know, and it's people like Liz Cheney and Adam Kinzinger who are on the January 6th select committee. But yeah. when the time came to vote for voting, you know, voting reform to try and, you know, mitigate some of this craziness, they weren't having it. They voted no with every other Republican. It's just, you know, you get you if, if you can find a spine, you get half a spine and. And it's just it's 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 infuriating because the other part of this happening right now is, um, you know, you have people like Joe Manchin and Kirsten Cinema are standing in the way of like this big reconciliation act. There's a big question of like, what are they going to do about the Senate filibuster? Because they have to pass like voting reform. They're not going to get 60 votes for it. Mitch McConnell said, no, we're not going to vote to raise the debt ceiling. Yeah, let the let the economy crash. Democrats are going to have to do it all themselves. And you know it's still being covered in the media it's like this these are two equal sides who are you know fighting over the fate of america no you have one side that is such a big tent party now they can't get anything done and you have another side that is just a death cult whether it's like death by financial collapse death by covid death by insurrection it's just they want the whole thing to die they it's it, it it's literally the party of the joker now they just want to watch the world yeah. and out of this, you know, the United States is supposed to find a path forward. They've got multitude of crises, crises around COVID, crises around climate change. They're getting hit by, from both coasts on, on climate change. Uh, there's problems at the border. Uh, there's growing inequality. There's gr- uh, growing inequality in economics, growing inequality in, um, in the social situation, you know, women, lgbtq plus people black people indigenous people uh right now they're covering like incessantly this story about this poor girl who was uh killed it looks like she was oh. killed by her fiance yeah the but, influencer or whatever yeah right but fox puts out it's like you know she was killed in this where her body was on this area where her body was on like where literally thousands of other women of color have gone missing over the years and nobody's talking yeah. about them it's no. just there are serious problems that need serious people to find serious solutions. And it's still the clown show, even after living through the insurrection and no demo, like the Democrats in the white house, the justice department, the Congress and the people in the media just can't seem to overcome. I don't know what it is to, to sort of sort out their own crap. It's, it's really infuriating to watch American yeah. news these days. I, I guess there's more to it than Trumpism, but he was the great enabler yeah. of all this, right? The agent of chaos, the Joker, as you put it. And that's <laughs> yeah. very true. And that's some, that's some other, another significant revelation in the book was this business about general Mark Miley. And according to Trump, if what Miley is saying is true, then it, it qualifies as treason Which where he doesn't. was coming up with this side deal or side plan where if Trump had decided that he was going to attack China, like he kept talking about, <laughs> it seems China was very worried about uh, Trump willing to fire off a couple of nukes or some kind of possible attack on them. Mm. And Miley was said something along the lines of, you know, went to his people at the Pentagon and said, no, okay, you know, come to me first. Okay, don't 
don't go to Trump with this. It was kind of like in in uh, fear with the memo, like just hide the memo so Trump doesn't see it, and then nothing will happen. Right. But this is bigger scale because having the nuclear codes. If Trump woke up one morning in a mood and didn't get his real egg sandwich or whatever, and said, <laughs> "I, you know, let's drop one on uh, Beijing," they would have to, uh, in theory, because he's he can do that. He has that kind of power. Right. It reminded me of when they there was talk about. Uh, Boris Yeltsin, this is going way back and how he had the, the codes and the suit, the nuclear codes and suitcase, but he was like too drunk all of the time. This is a version of that where it's like somebody with massive power and could really cause devastation. Mm-hmm. And then his generals are making this kind of side deal because I guess they were, it, Milo was also in discussions with uh, Pelosi, it would seem, yeah, about the evoking the 25th. Uh, amendment which would derail trump because they everyone was in agreement that he was erratic and as far as they were concerned there was the mental decline mm-hmm. was on so i mean god help them if it's trump in 2024 it really like it will just be take all of this and add more ounces of uns pounds of uncertainty to use american uh, units of measure <laughs> well just to, to <laughs> tons tons of like oh my god he's back i think the millie thing has been really understated although it's like everyone's kind of reported it but like it, it, he went from like he's now like a hero to democrats he's now like a persona not grata to republicans but i i think like try and get inside this guy's mind he's career military all your life in the military it, you're told Follow orders, chain of command, follow orders, chain of command. Mm-hmm. I mean, there must have been some real deep crap <laughs> for this man to put aside like 30, 40 years of military training about follow orders, chain of command. And nobody's, again, nobody's really kind of talking about the nuance of this. It's like this guy was prepared to have a face down with the commander in chief. Mm-hmm. over nuking you know a foreign country out of basically spite and it's it, you know to watch it covered on tv it's, it sounds like just another day at the office <laughs> and it's just mm-hmm. we they really need to divorce themselves of that idea this is not another day at the office you are in the fight of your lives your country is literally at stake and you guys need to get serious about it but that is all for another day oh there you go Oh, we'll have to wrap things up. We hope you like this show. As always, you can find us at our website, opensourceswealth.com. We're on Facebook at Open Sources Newswire, and we're at Twitter at OS underscore Guelph. You can listen to this show again by downloading it from our website every Monday. You can get it from the Guelph Politicast channel on Podbean or through your favorite podcast app at Apple, Stitcher, Google, and Spotify. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Adam A. Donaldson, and you can find my news and politics site at guelphpolitico.ca. And I'm Scotty Hertz on Facebook, Scotty Hertz on Twitter. And for all info, CFRU, check out CFRU.ca. Beyond, of course, listening to this fine station here at 93.3 FM. And scheduling information, you'll find everything you need to know, CFRU.ca. And DJ Sounds Good to Me is here at the top of the hour on CFRU 93.3 FM, CFRU.ca, Guelph Campus and Community Radio. We'll be back next Thursday at 5 p.m. For another contentious edition of Open Sources. <laughs> and we will we will see you then. <laughs>